0: Well, good morning, church. I got the very White voice this morning, uh, getting over a cold, uh, so uh, I'd appreciate your prayers getting through this. Still have a little tickle in my throat. Well, we're in a sermon series called Four Truths and a Lie, and begin with three truths and a lie about myself again. When I was in middle school, I ran for the office of treasurer. Number two, I got elected as the middle school treasurer. Number three, I was named the greatest treasurer in the history of our middle school. No joke. Fourth, I almost got impeached as the middle school treasurer. Which one is the lie? If you guessed number three, you'd be correct. (laughs) Well, four truths about Christmas is the enduring hope and joy and peace and love that we find in Christ. Those are the four truths of Christmas. Well, the lie would be we can find enduring joy. Joy is our theme this morning. We can find enduring joy apart from Christ, from the world. Um, the, some of the proponents of this theory would be three dog night. You know, Jeremiah was a bullfrog was a good friend of mine. Remember that? But we know the chorus together, right? Get your phones out. Joy to the world, all. Good boys and girls. Joy to the, in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me, right? I had two goldfish in my kitchen, and they didn't appear too joyful to me as they swam around in the bowl by the toaster oven for 10 years. They never hardly cracked a smile. Well, the world can experience temporary joy, I think a better definition would be happiness because the worldly type of joy depends on happenings or circumstances, whereas enduring joy, biblical joy, depends on Jesus. Donald Campbell would summarize this biblical joy by defining it this way. It's a deep and abiding inner rejoicing which was promised to those who abide in Christ. It doesn't depend on circumstances because it rests in God's sovereign control over all things. So biblical joy can come even in the midst of our difficulties in life. It's an abiding, a deep abiding joy. Uh, The apostles put it this way in 2 Corinthians, the disciples, in the NLT, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. NLT says, sorrowful, but always rejoicing. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We are nothing, yet we have everything. Joy is similar to grace. The word for joy is kara, but the word for grace is charis. They come from the same root word, and. Grace, as we know, is a gift. Joy is a gift. Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy comes only from God. This type of enduring joy. And we see joy in the Christmas story, don't we? Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news, which will cause great joy for all people. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared, and the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Great joy? These disciples were terrified. Or, I mean shepherds, not t- disciples. These shepherds were terrified, and who wouldn't be terrified if you're having a calm night, just tending the, the quiet sheep around, and uh, they're just probably kind of kicking off for the night. And this bright light, this sunlight appears out of nowhere. They couldn't have thought, man, there must be headlights coming toward us because there were no cars back then. Couldn't be powerful flashlight because there were no batteries or flashlights back then. It was a miracle. Have you, ever, have you ever been frightened by a sudden flash of lightning when you're standing outside followed by a crack of thunder? I mean, it, it startles us. It frightens us. Or for example, have you ever been caught alone on I-70 in western Kansas late at night with no other cars in sight listening to the Announcement: the weather alert of a tornado sighting, just five miles up in front of where you're traveling, say in Oakley, hypothetically, and, and to take cover immediately, but there's no exits in sight, sight to turn around, and there's no shelter around. I was petrified. I mean, for example, I was terrified. I was terrified. Yes, God was with me, yet I was terrified. It it would have been natural for the shepherds to have been terrified with this sudden flash of light, this this spiritual, supernatural being standing in front of them, an angel of God. But others have suggested that they would have been terrified for another reason. They would have been terrified because they deserved that they, uh, that they felt that they deserved God's judgment is impending judgment. Here's a little about shepherds in those days. Well, in the patriarchal days, back in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses even, shepherds were regarded as with high esteem. It was a respectable occupation. But when the Jews became enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, uh, things turned for the worse for the shepherds. You see, because the Egyptians... They were farmers. They were agriculturalists, and they didn't like shepherds because shepherds were in charge of sheep, and sheep ate their crops. And so shepherds gained a negative reputation during those 400 years. Up until the day of Jesus, shepherding had a negative reputation. They were the black sheep, so to speak. Dr. Joachim Jeremiah's says of the shepherds that they were despised in everyday life. They were the bottom rung of Palestinian social ladder. They were outsiders. He goes on to say, to buy wool, milk, or a kid from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it would have been stolen property. In other words, these shepherds are just common thieves. Their four shepherds couldn't be trusted. Um, They would not have been permitted, for example, to give testimony in a court of law. Seldom would they worship with God's people in God's presence because they were dirty, they were unclean, they were smelly, they smelled like the manure of the animals. So when the angel appeared to the shepherds, they would have expected a rebuke from God. They would have expected judgment because they've come to believe that about themselves, not joy. But the angel of the Lord did not say, Here come to judge. You're in trouble now, boys. Rather, he said, Do not be afraid. And that's what Jesus said when he would grow up from a baby. He said, I didn't come to judge the world or condemn the world. I came to save the world. Shepherds heard this message from the angel. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Good news for all people, that's nice. But not for these people, we're shepherds. Yes, for you too, shepherds. You are chosen. Listen to what the angel said in verse 11. <clears throat> Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to who? To you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign To you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. In other words, shepherds know that you are chosen. You are God's favored ones. He chose you, in fact, to be the first witnesses of the birth of his one and only son. He is your savior. He is your Lord. He is your Messiah. So joy came to the shepherds when they discovered that they were not only pursued by God, but they were chosen by God. Same with us. We often feel very insecure. We we see our flaws clearly than anyone else. We're critical of ourselves. And so we seek to hide our real selves from others because we don't want to be rejected. We often feel like we don't measure up. Um, We feel that we deserve the bad things that happen to us. I can remember in the olden days when we would choose uh, kids playing kickball on the playground, and and I can remember there were were always two or three kids who would be chosen last all the time. And as a sensitive young boy, I noticed these things, even though I didn't care much at the time. But I remember even today the painful looks that I would see on their faces. The awkwardness, the embarrassment, the insecurity, and the pain. Please, please don't choose me last. And if they were chosen second to last, then they were filled with a kind of happiness. But God says to each one of us, I choose you first. You belong to me. You are on my A-team. There's, there's no one That can do a better job than what I've chosen for you and planned for you than you. You are my special, special child, apple of my eye. Do you remember when you first realized that God chose you to belong to Him? Do you remember the joy of your salvation? Do you recall the joy of your first love that you had for for God and for Jesus and your passion? It changed everything, didn't it? So if we know that we're pursued by God and chosen by him, then why in the world do we often lack joy in our lives? What did the shepherds do that we often neglect doing? The second thing, the shepherds responded to this message of good news. Joy comes by responding, by seeking after Jesus. Jesus said, seek me and you'll find me. In verse 11, today in the town of David, the Savior has been born. And then we're told of what that would look like. And then in verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Can you sense the excitement and the urgency, the immediacy and the priority of these shepherds? Now these shepherds didn't have to respond this way to go see this child in Bethlehem. They could have come up with a number of excuses as to not obey this this directive or this message well, that was freaky and frightening. I don't want to experience anything like that again. I think I'll just stay right here, sit down, and calm down my nerves. No telling what we'll experience when we see this so-called Messiah. Uh, I don't think my heart can handle another encounter like that. So I'll just stay right here. Furthermore, I don't want to wander into Bethlehem in the middle of the night. People accuse us of of anything, and then we'll be in hot water. Also, who, who's going to watch our flocks out here, outside of Bethlehem? We, we need to be responsible. It'd be irresponsible to leave them, so we're going to stay right here. They could have come up with a hundred different excuses. We too can come up with a boatload of excuses for not responding to God's word. <clears throat> Our mission statement is this we're growing in the grace and truth of Jesus Christ and we are each one if we belong to this church we're called to worship we're called to serve disciple serve and multiply in specific ways but we can come up with excuses as to not do any number of these four directives on the bottom that we're called to do I'm too busy and exhausted. I'm committed to so many other things. I can't can't do those things. I need a day off for my hectic week. You know, Sunday's the only day that I have to sleep in. I've got too many other commitments. I'll serve later, when the kids are out of diapers. When all the kids are in school, then I'll have freed up time. After the kids graduate from high school, and they're gone, and we're empty nesters, then, then I'll serve. When I retire, then I'll find more energy. I won't have the job responsibility. But now that I'm retired, I'm just plain tired. Let the younger generation step up now. We can come up with excuse after excuse throughout our lives not to serve, not to worship, not to disciple, not to multiply our gifts by giving to others. One, one excuse we use often is I need to focus 100% on my work. I need, I need to save up money for my family, for my retirement. You know, we need to just be frugal and save up. But Jesus said, don't worry about those things, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. For pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here's his directive. Seek first the things of God, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well, including joy. You know who this next guy is? He's a bit thinner than what you'd recognize, but it's Steve Jobs. He was the founder of what, Apple. S- Steve Jobs uh, died at 56 years of age pancreatic cancer and these were some of his last words that I read this past week before he died he said I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world in others eyes my life was the epitome of success however aside from work I have little joy in the end wealth is only a fact of life that I'm accustomed to at this moment lying on a sickbed and recalling my whole life, I realize that all of the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. As we grow older and hence wiser, we slowly realize that wearing a $300 or a $30 watch, they both tell the same time. Whether we carry a $300 or $30 wallet or handbag, the amount of money inside is the same. Whether we drive a $150,000 car or a $30,000 car, the road and the distance is the same and we get to the same destination. Heck, I do that with my $3,000 car. Whether the house we live in is 300 or 3,000 square feet, loneliness is still the same. You will realize your true inner happiness does not come from material things of this world, from worldly success. So many people, they strive to be like Steve Jobs, as successful. They invest everything into being as successful as he was. But ultimately, we will all realize that that will not bring joy. Temporary happiness, yes, yes, but not lasting joy. Well, the shepherds experienced joy because they made it their first priority to respond to to the message of God through the angel, their first priority to seek after the Messiah. And the same is and will ever be the same for us as well. And then finally, is my voice driving you as nuts as it is me? Sorry. I woke up every morning talking normal, and once I start talking, it gets like this. So, hey, Jeremy, could you finish this t- st- sermon? Where are you? Are you in here? Come on, Jeremy. <clears throat> I thought for sure it would be okay today, but oh well. Uh, Luke 2.17. Joy comes by being with Jesus and then sharing him with others by knowing Jesus and sharing him with others. Luke two seventeen. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Do you remember calling a friend on Christmas morning or afternoon after opening your presents? You were so happy that you received what you did, and you had to share it with your best friends. In my case, I remember doing this often when I collected baseball cards, Tops baseball cards. And when I would get a Mickey Mantle or a Hank Aaron, I had to tell my friends. I was so filled with happiness. Well, these disciples had to share with so many others, these recluse rejects, these second-class citizens, these outcasts. They needed to share with anyone and everyone. They overcame their fears and insecurities, and they received this new purpose in their life, a new adventure to be God's ambassadors of the truth. When we encounter Jesus, we will naturally respond with the good news. About him, not just in our words, but also in our deeds. God used the shepherds to share not only with others but with, with Mary and Joseph. They they gave testimony to Mary and Joseph on that very first morning of Jesus' birth, of what they had experienced and encountered, which would have given confirmation and encouragement to Joseph and Mary, and they would have needed it dearly in the days to come when Herod would seek to kill their child, when they had to flee 400 miles away to Egypt and live in a foreign land away from their uh, fellow country people and their family. They had to be estranged. And and then throughout Jesus' life and their misunderstandings, and then ultimately Mary would have clung to these words of the shepherds, And the confirmation that they they shared of the angels and what the angels said about this child, she would have clung to those even as she watched her son die on the cross. What a privilege it would have been for the shepherds to have been chosen God's chosen instruments to bless the mother of the Son of God. Well, we too have a high calling. We are ambassadors of the Most High God, which means we represent in a foreign country, a foreign land, a king in another place. We're representatives of the kingdom of God in this foreign land that we live in. If we send an ambassador to Saudi Arabia, as a United States ambassador. And if they remain recluse and, and silent, they would be a lousy ambassador, wouldn't they? Sharing Christ with others is much easier, that, though, that than what we would think. For example, the Lord laid it on the hearts of these men from ironworks that meet weekly together. All men are invited to it, but they... Uh, they felt we want to serve the church and God's people. So yesterday morning, they had this marvelous breakfast down the hall for everyone and anyone who came um, before we, w- we went downtown to shop for Christmas. And uh, there were pancakes and eggs and sausage and bacon and, and fruit and all sorts of stuff. And uh, so they shared Jesus with us, and it brought joy to my heart to be there. It's easy to share Christ with others, especially in our deeds, when we do so intentionally for his glory. I'll give you one more example as I conclude. This past Thursday, I unfortunately found out that my credit card, it got, uh, it got compromised due to fraud. And I realized this, so I had to spend an enormous amount of time on the phone with my credit card company. I had to speak to, the only this time, two individuals. The first one was the customer service girl, and then the second one was the disputes, dispute department person. And my guess is that these employees who answer the phones for credit cards, and they get a lot of cranky callers on a regular basis, upset people. So understanding this, going into it, after I waited for quite a long time I sought to be respectful and calm and gentle in my conversation in my demeanor I sought to express Christ to them uh, my, my human nature would have wanted to express frustration but, but knowing their situation and knowing who I am in Christ I sought to be a witness to them so I was that way, and I I joked with them some. For example, the last question they both asked was, is there anything else I can help you with? My response was, well, yeah, I can certainly use a new car. And so they laughed, and and so so the banter went on like that for a while. And I, I also dropped hints that I was a believer in Christ during our conversation. And at the end of our conversations with both of these people, I said, I hope you have a very, very Merry Christmas. And they said, Well, thank you. And I could hear the smile on their faces. I can hear their expression throughout the conversation begin to soften and become much more personable. And by the end, we're best friends. It wasn't difficult to do that on my part. I offered them encouragement, but one thing I, I discovered. Even more than that was after I hung up. My heart was—I had a smile on my face, and I think my heart was smiling. I was—I was filled with joy and encouragement because of what I gave. I received so much more, and it didn't take anything to intentionally be the messenger of Christ to these two people. It's—it's it's not hard to share Christ in our words and our deeds by our attitudes. So the shepherds experienced joy in these three ways in conclusion. By knowing that they were pursued and that they were chosen by God. They're the first ones chosen, in fact. Secondly, by responding to the message, and then seeking after Jesus by being pursuers of Jesus. You know, we can be chosen without pursuing him and then not have joy. And then finally, by, by spilling over with that joy, by sharing Jesus with others, and in so doing, we will be filled with joy even more so. How can you experience more joy before Christmas of 2022, what step can you take? Let's pray. First and foremost, Lord, I am joyful that I didn't cough during this sermon. Uh, and thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to my voice to be audible as well. And I pray, God, that this message that from your Holy Spirit, from your living word, will penetrate our hearts, that we may indeed experience your joy, the good news of great joy, in fact, in our lives, and that we may overflow and share it with others, <clears throat> that others may see that there's a difference between a godly, biblical, enduring joy in the happiness that they're striving for in so many other ways. Lord, may we be the messengers, the ambassadors of the joy of Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.